Good morning. The term uh, summer soundtracks can often bring back fond memories. And at my age, it's kind of way too easy to slip into that and to do that. And some of you that know me know that that is way too easy for me to slip back and talk about the good old days and everything else like that. It was a lot of fun a couple weeks ago just to, to watch uh, and to look at all the different graduates that were here uh, on the platform and, uh, and being honored for graduating. And, and it was really, really cool just to see how many there were and to celebrate with them. And um, How many of you like that are older than that remember back to your graduation? Remember back, like, yeah, it was kind of a little strange for me because uh, I was reminded by a lady at work a couple weeks ago that for me it was 50 years ago this year. 50. And I'm going, like, I'm not really that old, am I? I'm, I must have graduated when I was like three or something like that, you know? Uh, but it's like, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be really easy to go back and talk about those good old days. Um, but we're not going to go there. Uh, it's been almost three months since Ken asked me to, to share this summer as far as one of the psalms, and, and I kind of wavered back and forth, but I kept coming back to this psalm, Psalm 46. But over the last three months, what's been really interesting is, and if we're going to use the term summer soundtrack as our theme for the summer as we look at the psalms, it's interesting to notice the soundtrack of this summer and where we're genuinely and truly at. Uh, when we consider the events and the soundtrack that we're in, it's while we might think back fondly to years gone by, it, it's a little bit more difficult to think fondly of some of the things we are seeing, some of the things that are true in our culture and what's happening in our, in our world, in our society right now. Uh, first of all, we're still living within the impact and under the impact of COVID. You know, it's amazing to me um, at times as far as even just being online for our service and then seeing other services that are going on, how many masks are still being worn? And it's amazing to me to see people that walk into the place where I work and things like that wearing the masks and still living under the concern and the, sometimes the fear of what COVID can still do for us, to us. So that's a, you know, it's, we still live with that. I don't think any of us um, think we're back to quote unquote normal. There is, there is going to never be that quote unquote normal pre-COVID. There's a new normal, but it's never going back. And so that's, that's for some is definitely a concern. We're living in a time of political and social um, turmoil. There's a war still going on in, U in the Ukraine. Then while we often don't hear much about it, and I have to confess, I know I don't hear much about it because like a while ago, I just stopped listening to the news. Um, part of that because sometimes you just don't know who you can trust and you hear one side of the story and not the other side of the story and it just becomes really difficult. Um, but there's a war that's going on that definitely still impacts us. Uh, the social and political, I mean, there's elections we just kind of went through, right? The, and, and going to be going through and all the ads that are on TV and everything else. And 
I'm so glad Pastor Ken is back and he gets to comment on the Supreme Court ruling decision that was made. And uh, who knows what the result of that is going to mean for us in our culture, socially, as far as any kind of unrest or other things that are maybe going on. And then I look and uh, it seems like there's, at times it seems like there's one mass shooting after another. A month ago, the shooting at the school. And then the churches or the buffalo. And we could, I mean, we could just go on and we kind of think, well, it could never happen to us. But we now live in a world where we know that that's a possibility. It's just, and it causes us to think about things. It causes us, it impacts our lives. That's part of our summer soundtrack. There's the economic crisis for many, whether it's gasoline prices or food prices or rent prices or, uh, uh, you know, friends of ours uh, were in an automobile had an automobile accident, they were involved in that, and, and trying to come up with a car is difficult. And the prices for those cars these days is like unbelievable. And, and just that economic impact for some of us, it just, it causes us to be a little bit thoughtful and concerned and causes us to wonder as far as where is this all going? One last thing. For some of us, the personal tragedies of life. Illnesses. Whether it's us personally or in our family. My, my brother's wife is, you know, the stage four cancer and all the other stuff that's going on. and Friends that are experiencing stuff. Where we, we just don't even begin to know what to do other than just to ask God to work. Because we just, we have no answers. We have no clue. Sometimes it's not even diagnosed yet. And you go through that questioning as far as what in the world are we going to do? How do we handle that? The loss of life. My dad was one of nine boys. No girls. Nine boys in that family. And the youngest and the last of the nine went home to be with the Lord this week. But we take a look and how many times do we hear in the news of people a whole lot younger than that? Many people, in my age, many people a whole lot younger than me passing. And the loss that that, as far as families and what happens there, and just experiencing that. Broken relationships. You know, I was talking to my sister this week and her son, my nephew, you know, going through the, the the divorce and the, what to do as far as the children and the stress and all, all the broken relationships and we're, our culture is littered with all this stuff and it's happening now you know it's not like it just happened a while ago or it's not like maybe it'll happen in the future it's happening to a lot of us now and not even just in one of these five areas some of us in all five areas that I just mentioned It's interesting that whenever we experience difficulty, we often turn and almost always turn to the Psalms. 
Because it's in the Psalms, and we were reminded this last week by Zach's dad. In the Psalms, what we find is we find just about every human emotion being expressed at one point or another. Uh, you know, I don't know about you. Sometimes, like, I, I wonder as far as, and I, I don't, I, yeah, sometimes I'll use the word struggle. Sometimes I struggle with knowing as far as, like, what, you know, where am I going to go next in my devotions? You, you know, if you're having your devotions and you kind of like are coming to the end and you finish one section or whether it's a book or it's a study of some sort or things like that, when you finish that, where do you go next? There are times where I will just put, put anything, quote unquote, planned on pause and I will do one month of just in the Psalms and Proverbs. Because it's kind of fun. We learned last, you know, you, if you didn't know, you learned last week that there are five books Psalms, 150 chapters, you can, by the way, what I've done in my devotions is this from time to time, is I will read, on the first of the month, I will read the first Psalm, the 31st Psalm, the 61st Psalm, the 91st Psalm, and the 121st Psalm. So for 30 days, I can read five Psalms per day, and I'll go through all the Psalms. Now, granted, when you get to Psalm 119, you might be there a while, I know, I know, so like, but... What I find whenever I do that, and oh, by the way, I'll read one chapter in Proverbs. And if there's 31 days, it fits because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. But I'll read one chapter in Proverbs and I'll read five Psalms, five chapters in Psalms. But what I find in the book of Psalms is that in those five chapters, I will usually find one of those, at least one of those that will speak to exactly where I am that day emotionally. Sometimes in joy and praise, sometimes in sorrow, sometimes in questions and wondering what in the world's going on. Psalms is amazing that way. And when we, experience, when we experience difficulty in our lives, it becomes very, very easy for us and very normal for us to turn to the Psalms because we find what is there within our hearts. And as we approach this morning, in light of our summer soundtrack, I would like us to consider a familiar psalm for many people. Uh, by the way, Psalm 46, Martin Luther is famous for one of his hymns called A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, taken from this psalm, Psalm 46. Others of you know it as being very familiar for verse 10. Before we get into the content of Psalm 46, I want to go through a little bit of the context or the background, a little bit of the story. Uh, some people that know me, and if, you, you know, if you've heard me before, you know I like the stories. Um, I love, that's one of the things I love about the Bible, it tells us stories. It gives us insight. Uh, and we see ourselves at times in a lot of the events that are taking place. So I want to go into the background of Psalm 46 a little bit. But before we do that, let's, let's pray together. All right? Father, we just come before you once again. Thank you for your great love for us. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity and the privilege that you've given me to be able to speak from, from your word. And Lord, I ask the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be pleasing in your sight and would bring glory to your name. We will give you the praise for all that you accomplished this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we come to Psalm 46, the background of it takes us back to the year 701 B.C. And I'm going to glance maybe a little bit at my notes, but hopefully not too much, because I love this, some of these stories. And I'm, the reason why I have notes and we'll glance at them is to keep myself from going too far any one direction because uh, I can get carried away with the stories. Uh, Sennacherib, 
great name. Uh, listen, my, uh, can I, I'll just kind of like throw in something here. My grandfather on my mother's side, my grandfather used, uh, was a, loved scripture, loved the Bible, and he loved names in the Bible, and he loved the bizarre ones. He used to call me at times by a different bizarre Old Testament name instead of calling me by Roy. He used to say, you know, Mahershala Hashbaz was one of his favorites, and he, he just used to do that. Sennacherib would definitely, I'm sure, was one at one time or another, but it's one of those names that's kind of fun to say. Um, Sennacherib is the king of Assyria, and Assyria is in a very conquering mode at this point. They are going out to conquer and to take over, and so they have already, at this point, uh, the history of this psalm, so to speak, they have already taken over the northern tribes the, known as Israel. The, the northern tribes have already fallen. And they are literally, as, as, as they're moving, they're la actually on their way to Egypt. Egypt is one of those nations that, that, that they want to take care of. And standing smack in the middle of their way to Egypt is the little nation of Judah, the southern tribes of Israel. This little nation of Judah is right there and, and the walled city of Jerusalem, which wasn't huge at the time, but it was still a walled city, a fortified city, and that's right there in the way. So Sennacherib comes down toward Judah and he lays siege to the city. And he's just going to take it. And there's this, there's this really interesting, I mean, story that's, that's being told here as we get to this, um, the, the king of Israel is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is one of those really interesting guys uh, in, in my mind. He's an extremely interesting king, and the Bible has some really cool things to say about him. He is, in, he is being advised by two different prophets during his rule, by Micah and by Isaiah. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 3 Five through seven has some really interesting things to say about Hezekiah. Second Kings, is that, do we have that? We do have that, I think. Second Kings chapter 18, verses three, and then verses five to seven says this about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He reinstated the Passover, by the way. They had stopped celebrating the Passover. He reinstated that. He reestablished the temple as being the place of central worship for the nation of Israel. He called the people back to obedience to God. He had scripture read. He had, especially the books of the law, had them read in public so that they would turn back to God. And here in scripture, it says that there was none like him before or after of all the kings of Judah. He follow God. I don't know about you, but I wish that could be said about me. I wish after, after I was gone that somebody would write that there was nobody else like him. He followed God all the way. He led people in worship. 
He reinstated a passion for God. None like him before or after. I, I, I know that's not going to be the case, that they're going to say that about me. But it's an amazing description as far as of Hezekiah. So here we are. Hezekiah is the king. And uh, what's happening is the, the city is under siege. 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 29 to 31 gives us a picture of what's going on because Sennacherib is taunting Israel and God. And here's what Sennacherib says in chapter 18, verses 29 to 31. This is what the king says. This is the second Acrib who's speaking. This is, no, this is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own sister. Cistern. There's, there's more that he says. And there's more that's going on. But he basically comes out and mocks Hezekiah and mocks God. And what's really interesting is that Hezekiah takes the letter and he, uh, the, the story records, he takes the letter and he lays it down in front of him in the temple. He goes into the temple and, and, and he worships and he prays and he asks God to deliver. But what's really interesting is that God kind of responds to Hezekiah and to the people. And 2 Kings chapter um, 19 verses um, 6 and 7, Isaiah is the one that speaks on behalf of God regarding all these things. And Isaiah said to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria has bla have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country. And there I will have him cut down with the sword. Like, I love, I love stories about Isaiah, and Isaiah, is, like, says this, and I could just picture Isaiah being pretty emphatic when he speaks on behalf of God. And you know what happens? Let's, let's go to a short story. Is also in chapter 19 as far as what happens. This is the short version. 2 Kings 19, verses 35 to 36. That night, the angel of the Lord went out, and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. What's really interesting to me is, like when you read that, is there were all the dead bodies. What's interesting is that, like, I wonder, like why, did, why did they even include that? There were all the dead bodies. That's because as the city is surrounded and people inside the city, whether they're on the walls or whatever, look and see and hear of everything else that's going on, they had the chance to not just see the army leave, they had the chance to see the results. Is it I, um, this morning, as I, as, as I just waited for the... Uh, privilege of being able to come out and share and as I heard and worshiped with you in the music like there's some there was some really good music this morning regarding this song 
By the way, the battle belongs to the Lord. Did Israel do anything to kill those 185,000 soldiers? Nope. And there were all the dead bodies to prove that, it, what, who, wait, whose battle was it? God's. Evidence was there. Like, oh, God's not going to, like, you know, Sennacherib, God's not going to help you. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Guess what? God delivered. God supplied. I, I, what Isaiah said was true. It came to pass. Because God is faithful. Uh, in, in preparation for this, like there's a lot of, you know, with Martin Luther being one of those key characters that love this psalm, Martin Luther talks a lot about music and, and the ability of music to lead people in worship and direct people to God. And I don't have the quote with me, but there's a couple great quotes as far as he's saying that there are, you know, people out there that don't like music and, and basically, I have no place for them, is <laughs> basically what he says. Like, I want nothing to do with them because he knew how much music can move us. And music pointed us this morning to the fact that this battle that we are in, the struggles and the difficulties that we are in belong to God. Now, we're, while we're uh, not sure who wrote Psalm 46, there is a consensus among many scholars that uh, whether it was Hezekiah that wrote it or one of the prophets that wrote it or, or a scribe that wrote it or whatever else like that, it is, it, is a, it is a psalm that is describing God's provision and God's deliverance in extremely difficult times where they, listen, the northern tribes had already fallen and they were on their way to Egypt. Uh, Israel, Judah, as far as not Israel, Judah had like nothing to offer as far as to really stand in the way. Jerusalem was doomed. And this psalm, Psalm 46, is a psalm that's written to commemorate that. There are three things I'd like us to consider this morning regarding this psalm. Number one, when trouble comes, retreat to your refuge. Refuge is a word that says that it is a place to go quietly, defined, a place to go quietly for protection. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. And if you're there with me this morning, if you want to turn to the Psalms, we're just going to kind of work our way through it. Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present time in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, first thing I want you to notice is the fact that the refuge that we have is an awesome refuge because it is based upon God. It's based upon God and God alone. Uh, we sang this morning, my God will never fail. He is an awesome refuge. The word awesome is often overused and really doesn't measure up to this usage here when we talk about how awesome our God is. He will never fail. Second thing I want you to notice is that our refuge, our God, is accessible. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's not just close by. He is here. 
You know, it's like, do you ever sing songs and you change the words because you don't like this, the words? Like we sang as far as our God being near, and I said our God is here this morning. I, you wouldn't have heard me say that, and I don't necessarily like always changing the words, but he is not just near. It's not like we need to go find him. He is here. Please notice that the verb in this psalm is in the present tense. He is. Not he was. Not he will be. He is right here, right now, and ever present help in trouble. And our God is our fortress. Our refuge is ageless. It is, doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what age we live in. It doesn't matter that 2,700 years ago, God worked as far as in Judah or now, today, or even in the future, our God is ageless. Uh, when you look at these last, these last couple of verses here in this, of this verse, verse 2 and verse 3, it says, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surgings. Have you, anybody ever been through a really bad earthquake? Has anybody ever really felt an earthquake? So some of you have felt them. Supposedly there was one in Augusta not that long ago that was somewhat sizable. From what, I, from what I'm told. I didn't feel it. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't know about it. But picture with me for a minute that earth actually, like mountains breaking up and falling into the middle of the sea and the catastrophe and the disaster. I mean, we've seen in our lifetime, we've seen earthquakes. Our earthquakes have gotten many. There's many and more of them than there ever was whenever I was little. Like earthquakes were really rare. They're not that rare anymore. But there's some really severe ones. I mean, I remember, I, I know I date myself as far as when they stopped the World Series because of an earthquake in San Francisco. And a, a friend of mine was actually giving a seminar at a conference a conv that was out in San Francisco at the, at the time, and he was in a room in a hotel when the earthquake started, and he remembers going out onto the street, into the streets, and he remembers thinking, there is no place to hide. You can't go down to the basement from, like you do in a tornado. You can't like, go into higher grounds like you can with floods or hurricanes. There's, there's like, no place to hide. And by the way, no matter what, our God is still our refuge. No matter what you picture in your mind as far as disaster, our God is still the refuge. Therefore, verse 2 begins, therefore what? We will not fear. What I notice about a lot of people in our culture today is that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear among Christians. So we're not exempt. But the psalmist here says, therefore, we will, our God is our refuge, our strength. We will not fear no matter we will not fear. Second thing I want us to notice is that when trouble comes, rediscover your strength. Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7. 
There is a river whose streams make the city, make, sorry, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The the Lord Almighty is with, sorry. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, um, it's really interesting. He starts off this section by saying, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Uh, A lot of cities were built in those days. A lot of cities were built around a water supply, around rivers. Sometimes the river would go through the city so that whenever people would lay siege to the city, they would still have a water supply. A lot of cities would fall if they didn't have an adequate water supply because after a year, two, whatever it was, because sometimes they would just sit there and wait. I mean, Sennacherib basically says, you can't win, surrender now. And they would sit and wait. Uh, water was a huge deal. Water supply was a really big deal. Uh, there is no river that runs through Jerusalem, by the way. Did you know that? Jerusalem is sitting up on a mountain. There's no river that runs through Jerusalem. And Hezekiah is one of my favorite people because um, the story, uh, there's a story of Hezekiah that basically, uh, Hezekiah is a guy who was famous for building a tunnel, having a tunnel built. He didn't actually build it. He had a tunnel built or dug, so to speak. He had a tunnel dug through solid rock. To, uh, there was a spring, a major deep spring outside the, outside the city walls of Jerusalem called the Spring of Gihon. And so he had a tunnel dug to bring the water from outside the walls into the city, into a reservoir inside the city. And uh, I think we have a picture of the, what's called Hezekiah's tunnel that he had built. And if you look, the spring, uh, the, the one line is, is, uh, shows kind of like where the inner city wall was. The spring is outside the wall, and they dug it down deep so that it wasn't visible. They hid the spring from the Assyrians, so they, didn't even, they couldn't see it. And they dug this tunnel that's 1,777 feet long. Now, you'll see over here on this, there's a meeting point. They actually started at either end and dug toward each other. There is a grade, all right, a downhill grade on the 1,777 feet that's all of 12 inches. And they met at a certain point, digging from either side, they met. Now, I've had the privilege of walking through Hezekiah's tunnel. If you were to go to Israel today, you could walk through Hezekiah's tunnel in water. And there's, the grade is so gentle that the water flows, but it, you don't hear it. It's not like a brook or a stream where you hear the water flowing. It gently goes through. I walked through, and it was about thigh high whenever I was walking through. Um, and uh, it's, about, it's about six foot high, maybe a little bit more, sometimes a little less, which means I had a little bit of a hard time walking through. You kind of had to walk through like this. You had to use a flashlight because it's a tunnel. It's ro- solid rock tunnel when you get to the middle where they met there is a spot where if you look on the walls the picks that they were using to dig through the rock are going this direction you know how you would swing a pick are going this direction on one side and they're going on this direction from the other side and they meet in the middle you know it's uh, often amazes me how sometimes people today think that people back then were dumb 
How did they do that? And by the way, like if the picture was still there, it wasn't straight. And they met perfectly in the middle. Actually, it's probably about a half an inch off on either side. That's it. Half an inch. And it's like, it's just, you can walk through it. Like I said, you can walk through it today. It's really, really cool. Hezekiah had that built. Lay siege to the city. Go ahead. Because guess what? The water supply is there. Now, why is water supply so important to us today? It's because, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, this river, this water that they're talking about, it, Jesus talks about it. Do you realize Jesus, when he's talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, said what? By the way, draw me some water, but if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst. Remember that story? Some of you have heard that story. What about in John chapter 7, where uh, Jesus is talking at one of the, at the, uh, and I, now I forget which, which, major, which major holiday, major event, celebration that they had in Jerusalem. Jesus is talking, and he talks about as far as, if you drink from me, all the river, this river of life will grow to everlasting life. And uh, toward the end of John chapter 7, he talks about the fact that he is the river. He is the water. See, God is our provider, but God is, God is this, this river of water that we rely upon. Jesus is the one who provides us with all of this. Third thing. About, uh, about, yeah, by the way, uh, the prophecies regarding Jesus... They said, what would Jesus' name be? Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. He is in us through his Holy Spirit. It's just really cool to say that God is within her. She will not fail. Uh, Number three, when trouble comes, redirect your thoughts. Uh, Let me read and and then let me be somewhat brief, I hope. Uh, Verses eight and nine. Uh, first of all, review the works of the Lord. Redirect your thoughts. Number one, review. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Review what the Lord has done. I have an assignment for you this morning. So take a look at your life. Review what the Lord has done. I'd love for you to make a list of 10 things what are the 10 greatest things God has done in your life? It might make a, you can make a list of more and narrow it down. 10 things that God, 10 greatest things that God has done in your life. Husbands, you better make sure your wife is one of them. But 10 things. Review. I don't know about you, but it becomes really easy for me to get carried away with all the stuff that's going wrong. It, it, it gets really easy to be disappointed and distracted by the stuff that's happening all around us to family members. I think of my brother so often. I, my, he's my younger brother, and they found out his wife stage four cancer, and it's all metastasized into you know, many places and what she's dealing with. I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like for me if it was Amy. Can't even begin to imagine. And see, sometimes it's easy for us to focus on all the bad stuff that's going on rather than remember, recall, 
what God has done, what God is doing. See, focus our thoughts. And first of all, yeah, first of all, remember and review. Secondly, be still. Verses 10 and 11. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. And that's the second time, almost that exact same phrase, right? The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still. 